tee it up, and then I'll explain to the people what happened. All right, Brady. So I get a Slack message from our farming folks. Um, shout out to Grow North Texas for all the great farming work that's happening on the back end of the property. Um, and they said there was a metal frame that they had for a big IBC tote. I don't know what that means. Um, anyways, it's missing. The metal frame is missing. And asked if I could, if the cameras that we have have a clear shot of that space and if I could re-watch some footage to see if I saw anything. So we walk back to the to the command center, as which we call it. Well, I walk into you like already scrolling on the video, and I was like, "Ooh, let's look for it and see if we can find it." Yep. And there's like a few things that I start to notice. First, you thought you were fast forwarding the time and going through a really fast I was timeline, fast but at first you were going at one eighth of the speed. Correct. That was very slow. And I said, "You you pressed rewind, not." fast forward and you slowed it down so you fixed that and then i look at a couple other things and i'm like it's been overcast and 50 in dallas for the past like four days and the footage that we're looking at is just like a stark sunny afternoon oh it looked great and i was like sunny. that doesn't look right but i don't say anything yet and then i look at the timestamp, and i'm like i'm gonna give josh the benefit of the doubt and say maybe he, he either doesn't realize he's doing this, or B, maybe the like time on the cameras is set up wrong. And I go, you do know, it's like, it's October 28th. And he goes, yeah, I'm looking at the 27th. And I go, well, you're looking at September 27th. So for at least 10 minutes. I don't know if it was that long. I go, that was a month ago. And he goes, oh, I'm glad you said that. I go, describe the weather yesterday. <laughs> what do you remember yesterday being? And he goes, well, it was rainy. I go, look at that video. It is, there's not a cloud in the sky. Why did it take you so long to say something? Well, I just kept looking. I was like, I don't want to embarrass myself. But I'm like, it's October. And I pulled out, I didn't even tell you, I pulled out my calendar and looked at it. Because it said Tuesday the 27th. And I was like. Yeah. So I was on a so Tuesday. I was like, it was a Tuesday was right. and it was a 27th. I'm Hannah Sims. I'm Josh Esparza. And this is Thin Space, a place for conversations where the ordinary and sacred meet through spirituality, justice, and change. Here we are. We, we talked about grief uh, two episodes ago and thought that was a really strong conversation for us to, to have and navigate a little bit. Obviously, we could take a, a serious deep dive into grief and um, Hannah, I would just let you drive that train because that, that's your alley. I would just quote a lot of other people that I like and respect. <laughs> it would be the majority of the episode. It's kind of what we do anyway. Yeah, right? that's like, true. Uh, and, and at the end of that, we talked about really framing this next episode on showing up for people and what does that look like. And um, I think this is a, a weightier conversation than maybe you and I were prepared to have that, that there's a lot of complexity in what it looks like to show up for people. Um, a lot of that depends on hearing people on what their needs and, and what they hope for out of friendships and relationships and um, like even working relationships. And um, I'm excited to kind of just see where our conversation takes us. We have a couple of key points and questions that I'll throw out to you, Hannah, and we'll, we'll kind of navigate together. Um, but when, when I first thought about this I, I was thinking in the context of friendships like yeah, what does too. it look like to do that and when you came in this afternoon you were you actually pushed against that and said we should broaden that so, so say a little bit more on why you think it was important to talk about showing up for people beyond just friendships I think you also have to think about showing up for people 
through like organizations and systems you're a part of. Mm. And I don't think you can have this conversation with just the con- within the context of like one on one relationships and friendships when you have like this big looming election over the next week mm. and like a big part of that and a big question that people have is, okay, if like whatever way this goes and however we fundamentally change from this, like how are we showing up for the people around us? How are systems showing up for us and other vulnerable people? And those are just kind of have been the theme of all of the conversations that I've had with people in my circle about just kind of where we are right now. Yeah. I mean, I think that's really helpful. Um, it really challenges us to think through like, what is, what does it really mean to show up then? Right. Like if we're, we're talking through interpersonal relationships, but we're also talking through organizations that we work at or serve through. If we're talking about religious spaces and we're talking about churches, um, you know, one of the things that white rock is doing right now is we have a, a visual for peace coming up here in a couple of days. Um, we're we're going to have a, a sermon series after the election that's going to be kind of highlighted in conflict and addressing those conversations because we know that conflict will be inevitable at the end of the election because you will have people on either side who will be upset. Um, and I think for us, and one of the things that Brady said really um, insightfully is that like showing up looks totally different for different people and different scenarios um and the key part of showing up for people is really knowing um what they need in those moments and i think that changes from time to time but um that really puts a responsibility on us like if we really do want to be people that other people can depend on if we want to be people that we can care for people um then it like requires intention and it requires um like a little bit of hard work to do that work it's not so much of just um, doing what you or I may need to feel cared for and love, but it's it's really trying to be aware of what are the needs of people around us. Right. So, um, Hannah, how can people show up for you? What do you need from people? It's interesting. So within the context, I think I would answer this in several ways. First is within the context of like one-on-one close friendships. And then I also think there's ways that like we should be showing up for just like the people that we work with Mm. Um, and then like organizations as a whole. So for example, organizations as a whole, um, City Square made it a point to give us election day off as a holiday this year. It's like that will always here for be like a City Square paid holiday. Oh, that's awesome. Um, So they made that decision when they also gave us Juneteenth as a holiday Mm. from here on out. Come up to Elwood, come hang Um, out. Yeah, so I got, I'm off on election day. You got all day. Um, so I think that that's like a very simple thing that employers can do. Mm. I mean, multiple times since the pandemic started, my boss has said, take a PTO day. Don't don't put in like all eight hours. Just put in mm-hmm. four hours and go take care of yourself. And it's like that's a nice kind of thing that people can do. Um, and then I feel most showed up for in my close friendships when – like people do things for me that I don't ask or don't necessarily verbalize, just intuitively knowing and showing up um, in like little ways. Mm-hmm. You've done that before. You've sent me like 10 bucks and I'm like, you've had a crappy day. Go get a coffee. It's like a little thing. Yeah. It, you Thanks, know, Josh. It's just being aware of like life's really hard and, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. And like a part of that for Victoria and I is like also just trying to be generous, right? Like, yeah. like, we have benefited a lot from people's generosity and we're super grateful. And we've always said that when we had more financial stability and 
um, we had more freedom financially that we wanted to be able to do, to do that kind of generosity. And for us, I get like, those are things that we, we really enjoy doing and they're small things, but like they're, they're ways that we just want to be able to show people that we care about our people in our yeah. lives in our inner circle. So good. I'm glad you, you enjoy those little. Yeah. That's a very good specific example. Surprises. Um, yeah, I mean, I think really I want to talk about this institutional place or organizational place of showing up for people uh, because I think that's something that White Rock and Owen Wood has tried really hard to cultivate. Like that has been a huge priority of ours um, really in the work that White Rock has done here in East Dallas and really the work that we're continuing to build here at Owen Wood is like, like how do we, what does it mean to show up for people? And for us, it means like we're going to ask a lot of questions. Um, we're, we're not going to be the people who assume that here are the problems or even assume the answers. Um, we're, we're going to ask you to like participate in the creation and the dreaming and the ideation of our work together. Um, and we're also going to serve you in ways that we feel like Jesus and the gospel compels us to do. And one of the really small ways that we do that, that, that makes us very different from a lot of churches. And, and this is the words of people coming to us rather than our own words. But um, like we, we have a benevolence fund that we just give out cash to individuals. There's a set amount that we give out. Um, we, we only give them money. <clears throat> I think it's uh, once every six months and they can come for a total of four times and there's a time limit and all these kind of things. Um, and, and it's for an emergency basis, right? Whether it's rent, medical, uh, gas, whatever you need it to be. Um, and there are a lot of people that have come in asking for assistance, um, really because they have said like, there's not a lot of organiza- organizations just giving out cash and there's not a lot of churches. I do not know cash. of any besides the one you just mentioned. Mm. I don't know of any organization that does like direct rental utility, just giving out funds to people who are in need of it. Yeah. And it's really hard. Like I know White Rock Center of Hope does some rental assistance, mm-hmm. um, but they're zip code specific. Right. So if you don't fit within that zip code, then you don't qualify for their program. And Catholic Charities does some of that work too. Um, but for us, like we, we just feel like if you're here asking for it and we believe that you need it. And so we're, we're not going to put a lot of parameters or stipulations around that. And we're, we're going to be generous in that because we, we believe that aligns with who we are as people of faith and our values and our, our desire to want to be good neighbors and to empower other people to empower themselves. Um, but like, that's also really hard too. I I get why organizations don't want to do that. Like there, there are a lot of people who, come in asking for money and like we run out of money or um, they come in asking after their um, before their next time that they qualify to receive money. And we have to have those hard conversations of yeah, saying, that's crummy. no, like, right. like, and those things suck, but it's also a part of our process is that our congregation has set that our leadership team has set in order for us to be able to help empower people in ways um, that they need. And so, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> money is a, is a hard line to have a conversation with because I think the conversation I often hear, Hannah, and tell me if you hear something different, is uh, we don't like giving cash because we don't know what they're going to do with cash. Yeah, it's a biz- it's it's bizarre. Which is like, okay, well. Yeah, I hear that all the time, though. Who, who tells you what to do with your cash? Right. No one? Great. So, so why do we get to tell other people we're doing their cash? I mean. But we're also willing. Yeah, and it's. I think there's some like pretty big systemic racism wrapped up in that because those are the same people that are like donating to GoFundMe's on Facebook. Mm. So it's like we're not willing to give 
20 bucks to someone like when they approach us in a gas station or like we see them panhandling because we have some like probably internal bias about that. But we see like a good story online and we're willing to give cash freely in those circumstances. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I remember we were at a party with some friends a few years ago and <clears throat> there was a guy who I just met and Victoria was working at city square. And so she was talking to him about her work, what she did specifically at city square. And he asked like, how do you give money and make sure that people just aren't using it for, for beer or drugs or whatever. Who cares? <laughs> and that was really what was the answer. It was like, we, we don't care about that. Like it, it's not our job to tell people how they should spend that money. The reality is if we were homeless, if we were sleeping outside when it's 30 degrees outside or 110, you might need a little extra substance to help you get through the night too. Right. Like, like that, that is not totally beyond the norm of reality. And the bigger question is like, why are we as individuals having to do this work? And why is that what we just like assume what people are going to spend it on? Totally. Like he said, uh, I remember this very clearly. He said he, he won't give out cash, but he'll go and he'll buy uh, like McDonald's gift cards and like, give McDonald's gift cards out because he knows it has to be used for food and they can't use it for anything else. Another way of showing up for people that I've led in other congregations is like, um, we try to make like these homeless kits. And so we would provide like, especially during winter time, we wouldn't provide like socks and underwear and yeah, like, trail to, mix. I used to have to organize those kinds of donations at my old job. And, and they, it, they were cool. I used to like making them. Um, but the way that we talked about them was wild. It was, uh, and I, I would cringe whenever, because I never made these titles for our work, um, but they would label them as like blessing bags, um, which was like, there's power dynamics in that that I don't like. Uh I think some people probably do receive that as like a blessing and as like a, as a gift of assistance in that time. But it, it was weird. It felt like we had to label it as yeah. such for the, for the people involved to feel justified or empowered to do this work. And, and in my opinion, it's like, well, we should, we should be doing this work because if we're a church and we say, we believe in the incarnation of God and that Jesus cared for people who were excluded and poor and, left out, then um, really we should care about those things because that's who we, we, we claim to right. follow and believe not uh, there needs to be some validation or justification in our work. My other beef with like with blessing bags, just like in kind donations in general is, and I get this to some extent to, in order to like make the dollar go farther. Mm -hmm. But like when I got here today, I was like, oh, we're still collecting school supplies. Uh, we need to like be sure we bring that up to get the word out, bring school supplies to Owenwood that we're doing a drive for right now. But I also go, you know, these kids are never like no one's going to donate name brand school supplies. Mm. So like when even like handing out blessing bags, it's like it's not like full size bottles of like Colgate in these like little toiletry crits. Totally. They're the... Uh, the toothpaste and mm -hmm. the soaps that you stole you're gonna from go the, get from like, yeah, from you're going to take from, your from the hotel. hotel room or like you're going to run into Dollar Tree and get a hundred of them mm -hmm. as opposed to donating like a fraction of that. And it's like, I can totally understand it in that extent, but we show up for people in those types of ways that are like convenient and self-affirming for us. It's like what you saw on Facebook this week about people like posting and sometimes you say that you're like 
I'm showing up in solidarity of this marginalized or vulnerable group of people. It's like, well, no one's actually like asking you to prove that. Totally. Like, actually, you have already shown several ways in which you are an ally and advocate for that work. Right. Uh, but it actually makes you feel better to continue to talk about the way you're an ally and advocate. Right. And it's like, well, the issue here is not how you feel. The issue is... It's not your lack of allyship. Right. The marginalized and the broken system that continues to exclude and oppress people. Like, like this is the issue. And one of the things that I think is really important at Owenwood and I'm very conscientious of is like, we have to continue to find people to be their own storytellers. Like we have to lift up the voices of our neighbors and of our friends and of the people who have been invested in this community. And it does not always need to be Josh or Katie or people from white rock speaking on what's happening at Owenwood. Like, like this is true. Um, but like, I, I only live five minutes away, but my five minutes is very different than the five minutes around here. Mm. And like, these are the people that need to be able to speak on behalf of themselves and not being spoken for. And I think that's a way that we, we have to do better as a whole in showing up for people. And that's a very, that's a tension that I constantly live in here at Ellenwood is if we're going to do this work, um, showing up means something different in that right. way. Oh, that's good, Josh. Well, every once in a while. Lighting in a bottle over there. Not just the hat rack, everyone. Um, we talked about this a little bit, Hannah, but I'm curious, like, as in your work, both as a social worker and at City Square and just uh, being a, I feel like I can say this, a decent human. Oh, um, like, where are some of the gaps you see people make or fall into as they attempt to show up for others, whether it's charity, interpersonal relationships or all of the above? Well, this time of year, especially like the biggest gap is all of a sudden we're going to see this giant influx in like charitable support, especially mm. in like homeless and housing services right now. And that's because all of a sudden it got cold out. Mm -hmm. So this time of year, it's kind of bizarre that we get this giant like jump influx of like donations coming through mm. the front door. Um, so like, that's just like an obvious like fiscal gap and like actual tangible gap that I've seen before. Um, What's the alternative to that? Be more generous year round? Yeah, or like don't rely on this is just like a systematic problem, Josh. Like we <laughs> like <laughs> fix it, Hannah. How do we fix it? Like we're not dependent upon charitable giving to fund like the Department of Defense. Mm. But we're dependent upon charitable giving just for like hope these people show up this time of year and like hope that charitable giving and benevolence and mm -hmm. philanthropic like wow hold on say that word <laughs> philanthropy that, that's a hard word philanthropic <laughs> philanthropic giving is gonna like get us out of yeah. poverty and homelessness so as you're saying about this i'm in a texas methodist foundation they're an organization that is deeply in the work of the methodist church um, specifically in texas um, they are trying to do some innovation work within the church and i am in a um cohort with young leaders trying to do different work in the church in this cohort we had our meeting in october um that was one of those on three zoom calls at one situation never doing that again but i'm in this meeting and they provided some documentation and reading about philanthropy and charity giving and really that the, there's like 
three different mainstreams of philanthropy and like there's one that's charity and uh the person who really like started that work i'm blanking on all the details so what i'm going to do is i'm actually going to post this article with our work um in our show note in our show notes but the charity one talked about like this provides access to the gap that's present for marginalized people. Mm-hmm. However, marginalized people will always be marginalized if they are dependent on the charity of others. So this fulfills a, a need, but does not fix the problem. We right. know that 100%. This next level is like, okay, if charity doesn't work, then what does it look like to empower people? And you provide education, you provide resources and access to information, and you connect people. That model in its best case scenario works well. However, that excludes a large amount of people who can't have access to information, education. It excludes people who can't read and like participate in that kind of personal betterment because of life and finances and needs and all those kind of things. And then there was this last one that talks about the need to really have to do both and also provide a component of um, like loss for the giver, like, like it needs to kind of hurt you in order to be able to fill in that gap. Like, Mm -hmm. like it can't both fill in the gap and self-serve yourself at the same time, because at that point, like the mutuality is non-existent and the gap is still present. Um, and and it really, and it had like this grid of like need and assessment. It was really interesting. I'm, I'm going to send it to you, but I'll definitely post it as well. Cause I'd love, um, some thoughts on it. Um, but it, it was empowering, one, to think like Owen Wood and maybe the future of our congregations can take on this new spirit of philanthropic uh, like access and giving, but also the hope to, to be a part of a solution in a way that like really causes some pain, like really right. causes something to be put at the table and believe that this is going to be done because we believe this work matters so, so much that we're going to we're willing to put something at it. Yeah. And I think like we inherently value that, but mm-hmm. we also like, there's a line that we're willing to draw above like what we're willing to do. Like there's reasons why giant companies like Coke and Pepsi have like, are also associated with like really big benevolent sectors mm-hmm. of their organization that like give away money because they have so much money to give away. And that money is just like a drop in the bucket. And it's a drop in the bucket. And it is saying, we're willing to give literally this, but we're not willing to give up anything else. And like, we're not willing to show up in any other way than to write a check. Yeah. And like, that's not specific to those organizations. That's specific to like giving just by your finances as a whole, I would say. Yeah. I mean, I would say a more like cultural, cult, cultural, cultural, uh, com- say, comparison say to that. three times fast, uh, is really like what we saw Mark Cuban do with the American Airlines Center during COVID, right? Like, yeah, we're going to pay employees. Maybe it's not going to be the full rate of what they would have made before, but we're going to try and cover that gap as much as we can. We're going to pay to make the American Airlines Center a large early polling place that's safe and has Parking access to people. Free. Parking will be free. Um, and then you have like the other side of the coin where uh, I heard on the radio this morning that Green Bay is going to donate $250,000 towards racial equity um, empowerment. And it's like, Great. That, that's a lot, a lot of money. $250,000. Hey, if anyone wants to write a $250,000 check to Owen Wood, we will take it. Uh, Gladly. However, for the Green Bay Packers, that is like, I don't know what, a tenth of a percent, maybe. 
like of your general revenue of what you bring in as an organization and like like it, it's it doesn't hurt you to do that like it feels good it probably gives you some good publicity and maybe you genuinely mean well to do that work but there there's no sacrifice really in making that investment if you will when it's also not saying like as an organization or entity that we're willing to do anything besides this whereas mark is saying i'm not it's easy to tag way to go mark cuban mark anytime you want to come on the thin space pod we've got a spot ready for you but like the american airlines center being used for the public in this way Mm -hmm. literally giving voice to the public sets a very different tone as to like what the entire organization as a whole is doing compared to green bay yeah it's one it's one thing to mobilize people it's another thing to just throw money at an issue and hope that it resolves itself which uh 2020 racism has not resolved itself we've we've got some deeper work to do there the pandemic hasn't seemed to resolve itself either (laughs) it it has not gone away (laughs) we we are far past easter Oh boy. Yeah, I mean, and Hannah, as we're talking about this, like I'm I'm thinking of just instances in scripture in which people show up with something on the line, right? Like like I'm I'm thinking of the relationship that Jonathan and David had and the way that they showed up for each other and the way that Jonathan like goes to Saul and like pleads on behalf of David because Saul's like ready to take David out or, or we're talking or we're thinking about like Abraham negotiating with God in the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Right. Yeah. Or we're, or we're thinking about the way that, um, and granted this is violent and I would, I am not a proponent of violent, but the way that like Peter responds to the guards in the gospel as they come in to arrest Jesus in the night in which he's going to be tried and crucified and like, like has no hesitation in the story, right? In the story, we see that Peter sees it in a situation, he responds and he cuts off this soldier's ear um, because he so deeply believes and cares for Jesus and knows that this is not a positive outcome. And like, right. there are things that people just have responded in scripture and said like, this is the way we're showing up for people because we love them, because we care for them, because they matter and because we believe this is what God is calling us to do. Um, and it, very rarely turns out positive for them in that moment. Right. My all-time favorite um, like story of this in scripture is the story of Jesus preaching in like a really small house and mm-hmm. like the kind of visual that I just imagine it's like completely packed full of people. And you have these two friends that are literally pulling a hole into the roof to lower their friend who's paralyzed mm-hmm. down to the floor. And I think so many times that story we think, oh, that's like, that man was healed and we think of it as like Jesus healing this mm-hmm. man and that's the end of it. But my favorite part of the story is the two friends that are willing to say, I will rip this roof off to include you in this and to hopefully bring some sort of healing. It's like the story is about the people and the friends in your life saying, I'll show up for you in this way. Totally. I will literally rip roofs off of buildings to try to get you access to a more equitable future. Mm-hmm. And I think... Like real change doesn't happen unless we're willing to pull the roof off of houses to lower people in. That that sermon will preach, Hannah. When, when do you want to get behind a pulpit? No, no. Come on. Come I'm on. already behind this mic. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, that's crazy, right? Think about it. This place is so packed. There is no ability to get this person in front of Jesus. Right. And you hop on the roof and you 
open it up in whatever capacity it is, whether there's a door there or you cut a door or whatever. It, like there, there is nothing that is going to keep you from introducing your friend to Jesus because you so desperately believe that they deserve something better than what they're experiencing right now. Think about them pulling their friend up onto a roof. Right. Their friend who is paralyzed How'd and cannot walk. Yeah. And granted. This, and like they had a plan for it, clearly. Totally. Like, totally. And I think, too, caveat, uh, this can sound kind of ableist. This is not what that's supposed to be, because we also know that in that time, um, you were excluded. You, you were right. seeing as sick, ill, something's wrong with you. Lowliest of the Sinful. low. You have sin. Like, the, you, like you have caused your own disability. And this was an opportunity for this person to engage with Jesus and to experience not just a physical restoration and healing and transformation, but also a social and interpersonal one, too. And that two able-bodied friends are willing to say, I will associate myself with you. Mm-hmm. You are worth more than being cast aside. Yeah. Yeah. So good, good little catch there. Go on. Good word. Good word. Yeah. I mean, I think showing up for people looks totally different these days, right? I think it, it, it is deeply complex. It reflects on the needs of people and the institutions. And I'm, I'm also a part of the belief that um, there's no right answer on how to show up for people. I think there is a lot of wrong answers on how we don't show up for people. Um, but, but there are different ways that people do that. There's some work that people do that's incredible. And there's some work that people do that I think you should do differently. Not to say that their work doesn't matter, but um, I think there should be a different means or a different position or um, purpose behind that work. But but I think we're seeing some really unique ways that churches and congregations are connecting and choosing to step forward and say, uh, we're going to help people. And I think one of the ways that we're going to do that, I've got a call this week with Oakland United Methodist Church, and we're talking about um, what does it look like for Owenwood to try and be a part of this emergency housing for our homeless neighbors in downtown Dallas. And like Oakland has done an incredible job of doing that work for people. Um, that work is deeply complex. It's messy. Uh, I've had friends who have done the overnight shifts and then shown up to class at Perkins the next morning. And they're like, yeah, it's wild. But like this is someone has to do it so that this can run and be something feasible for people because otherwise you have experiences like when we went to church at the square and people are talking about how they slept outside in three sleeping bags and it was 19 degrees outside. Like that, right. that's the alternative. Yeah. I, when I used to do homeless outreach, I would often, I think once a week I was over at Oakland with the rest of the outreach mm. team interacting with the neighbors who had slept. And I mean, they had literally taken a portion of one of their properties it's like the building out back. It's where Union is now, isn't it? Uh, it's next to it. So essentially they're, I don't know if it's done yet, but they were transforming their entire basement into like an emergency yeah. shelter so that's opportunity. Right. So there's like another standalone building outside that mm-hmm. in the meanwhile, they were using as emergency shelter. Yeah. And a lot of other organizations, and I would say churches, including the church I grew up at, are willing to say, we're willing to help with like a food pantry. Mm-hmm. And like, these are the zip codes we'll serve and these are the hours that will be open. But we can't really ask our congregants to like do anything more than that. But like, we'll write, we got to go home. But we'll for sure write you a check and we can help people during business hours when they come up to the church lobby. Um, But and like, we'll try to put them in touch with some other resources and organizations. But until you're willing to really do the work of it, you're showing up in ways that are convenient for you. Yeah. And I will also say like, we, that is not us um, 
putting down like emergency food pantries, the amount of people yeah, that, that have come down to Owenwood asking, hey, do you have any food? And no, nope. um, because we have no, we have because we have some people dropping off. food. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and it's like, as a matter of fact, we do. Um, but like we're empty right now. But I've probably had five or six people in the past two weeks just come up here asking for oh, wow. any shelf stable food. So um there is purpose and need there. But as I learned working in really affluent communities and churches, um, nine times out of 10, people will want to write a check before they have to show up. And that's... And myself included in that to- in a totally, lot of times. Totally. Uh, it is way easier for me to send you $10 than uh, to go and buy you a coffee, right? Like, sure. You, you go buy yourself a coffee and you know what you want. Uh, yeah. I and mean, we're a part of that too, for sure. Like we, we do, we do that as well. Um, I mean, I do a lot of this in a 40 hour work week when it's after five, I'm probably not rolling my window down to like talk to the individual in need on the side of the road. And that's like, that's an excuse of like, meh, I've already done my share today. Like I, I've done I my do this share for a of living. Good. Yeah. 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 So like I'm guilty of this too in a lot of ways. For sure. Yeah. This is never a uh, Hannah and Josh are so great. Everyone else listening, get it together. No. We uh we often need to practice what we're talking about too. So um showing up for people's hard. If you're still with us, thanks for for hopping on on double digits, episode ten. Um, if you do want to support our work, you can obviously do that by donating some school supplies for our partnership with SS Connor, um, or you can bring by some stable food and we'll put that in our little food pantry area. Um, or if you want to give online, we have a cash app, it's Owenwood Dallas, um, and, or you can just go on owenwood.org and find that donate button, but we're grateful for you. We're excited for what the future holds and see you next time. See you next time. (laughs) Go show up for people. Oh, come to Owenwood and vote November 3rd if you haven't voted yet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're doing that in the sanctuary. Thin Space is recorded at Owenwood Farm and Neighbor Space in Far East Dallas. You can find us on Instagram at Thin Space Pod and learn more about our work at owenwood.org. Don't forget to hit subscribe to stay up to date on all our content. This episode was mixed and produced by Brady DuBose.